You've dreamed of building a family, but the journey hasn't been easy. I'm Dr. Laura Shaheen, a reproductive endocrinologist helping people build families every day. On our new podcast, Baby or Bust, we'll be learning from both reproductive experts and people who have faced challenges just like yours. Join us every week for Baby or Bust, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow us so you never miss an episode. Hey, listen up, Zabe Disciples. My lock is now 9-2. and two. Why are you not getting rich on this? You can now by going to mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can bet aside, predict scores, or track player props. Mybookie.ag lets you play without cash or other purchases. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.ag has in-game live action on every major league event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.ag than today. Go to MyBookie.ag to open your account, then join in on the fun. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Signing up is easy. You'll have access to your own personal dashboard. That's mybookie.ag, promo code ZABE. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. Today on the ZABEcast, the most hyped Monday night game in NFL history somehow outdid the hype. The Rams prevail in L.A. and I was up late. The sheer insanity of Condi Rice as a coach and Lamar Jackson is running in Baltimore. All that plus Mansu's airline over fat guys sitting next to him. Your essential Sports Talk Day starter is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. Oh, 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 oh. Here we go. Tuesday, November 20, 2018. And are you not entertained? Rams 54, Chiefs 51, 105 points, third highest scoring game in NFL history, 1,001 yards, and we could see these two teams again, perhaps down the road in the Super Bowl. Hello and welcome, and hope you stayed up late to watch that game, hope you set your DVR, hope you snapped off the tab on that cassette tape for that game. See, now that's a reference to win. Oh, life was simpler and stupider. Once upon a time when you would tape games on a VCR and you had a tape, a a big VCR tape, you'd put it in there and you'd set it to record a game. And if it was a particularly good game, there was a tab on the cassette you would snap off so that if you tried to record over it, it wouldn't let you because there was a little hole where a little prong would stick out and it would engage and, okay, now we're recording. You could then tape back over it again if you really were desperate to tape over that cassette. But otherwise, uh, snapping off the tab meant, I'm going to save this one and save it for all time. I think all of us who are at my, my age, 50 or close, have boxes of VCR tapes, of sporting events, and other stuff that we swear we want to keep, we can't get rid of. In fact, I have actually shipped out to one of my listeners a bunch of boxes, at least five or six boxes of cassette tapes 
and of VCR tapes. And he and this listener is going about digitizing them for me just because he likes to do it. His name is David Hudach. Hudach. Hudach say they're going to beat them Saints. And he says he's kind of retired now, so he's got the time. He spends his winters in Southern California. Good for him. And he said, yeah, I'd like to go ahead and, and transfer all your old stuff that you've got in your basement. I said, okay, here you go. I sent it to him sight unseen. I've never met the guy. He could have stolen it, put it in his own basement, forgotten about it, lost it. My treasured collection. Eh, you know what? It was out of my house, which I was happy for. Uh, Dave said the hardest thing on that was to find a cassette player that was well built enough to withstand hours and hours of playing back cassette tapes and then digitizing them. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pull some of those out of the archives once they're digitized and put them on the site. But back to this game itself. If you missed it, here were some of the highlight plays, a, a mere smattering of highlight plays. You, you can't do a highlight reel long enough even if you only did touchdown plays in this game, to do this game justice. Taken down. Ball is loose. Picked up. Ebucom returns it for the score. Scoop and score. Rams. Third and 11. for the Rams, trailing by four. Golf on first down. Everett in stride. Wow! Touchdown Rams! Mahomes. Got it! Tyreek Hill! Wow. Mahomes, he escapes that, then launches it downfield, and it's intercepted by Joyner, and smartly fallen to the ground. Most anticipated showdown games in recent NFL history. It completely over-delivers, and this is how it'll put an end to it. Mahomes, picked off. So there you go, Rams 54, Chiefs 51. Third highest scoring game in NFL history and the second highest scoring game in the Super Bowl era. Wikipedia has already updated it. The second, the highest scoring game was 113 points. Redskins, Giants, 1966, a couple years before the Super Bowl era was officially ushered in. In that game, Sam Huff for the Redskins was so angry at Ali Sherman, the head coach of the Giants, his former team, that he ordered ordered the Redskins to take a timeout with seven seconds to go and then 
pushed Charlie Gogolak, our kicker, off the sidelines in there to kick a field goal with the Redskins leading 69-41. to That made the final score 72-41. to 106 is the most in the Super Bowl era. That was a Bengals-Browns game in 2004. That would be Carson Palmer with four touchdown passes. Rudy Johnson, remember him? Two more touchdowns with a career-high 202 yards rushing as they beat the Browns 58-48 to as Kelly Holcomb for the Browns threw for five touchdowns. <laughs> and Delpha O'Neal returned a pick 69 yards for a touchdown in the final two minutes to dash the Browns' hopes. 105 points was this game, Chiefs and Rams. And now people are going to say, well, was it good football? Or is this just garbage, no defense playing, Big 12-style, outdoor, 7-on-7 arena football? I liked it. That's all I can say. I liked it. There was defensive plays being made. So you can't say there was no defense being played. There was one terrible breakdown that let Tyreek Hill just run past everybody, and then he taunted his opponent on the way to the end zone and got a penalty for it, but whatever. You got to guard number 10. I mean, that guy is just breathtaking to watch. Built like a little fire hydrant and fast, faster than the wind. Amazing. So I thought it was a good game. I thought the defense was sufficient. There was a lot of good defensive plays, as you heard from the highlight reel there. And it was highly entertaining. I mean, there's nothing to really complain about. Patrick Mahomes did have four picks in the game against five touchdown passes. Two of the picks came late in semi-desperation mode. There was some interesting strategy at the end of the game, and I'm going to actually defend Sean McVay in his play calling with the ball, after the first of the last after the first of the last two picks by Patrick Mahomes Andy Reid in a shocking reversal of what is typical for him actually had all of his timeouts in his pocket and let me tell you there is no substitute for being down in a game late and having all three timeouts i think there was a minute 12 left Mahomes just threw the pick to turn it over. And everyone thought, that's it, game's over. And my first thought was, not so fast, my friend. With three timeouts in your pocket, you can force the other team to have a 12-second possession or thereabouts. Most running plays, if you stop it within a couple yards of the line of scrimmage, are four-second plays. Most teams and most coaches, when they are up and just trying to bleed off timeouts on the other side, we'll run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And yes, that's good at causing the other team to get rid of their timeouts. But it's not good at necessarily winning the game because even if Jared Goff, even if I should say Sean McVay had um, run the ball three times, and let's say they didn't get the first down. Now, some would say they can run for the first down. And that's true. They've got an outstanding running back and. Uh, Gurley, so they could have run for a first down. But if you run it three times and you don't get the first down, all you've done is you've taken away Andy Reid's three timeouts. That's it. They still would have about a minute left, and they're only down three, and they've got Patrick Mahomes. This is the power 
of having three timeouts. Not two. Well, we got two. No, three. You have all three and you are down. Even with a minute to go, you are in a very powerful position. By having all three timeouts, it forced Sean McVay. It didn't force him, but it encouraged him to throw the ball. First down throw was a little flat pass out to the left uh, that was caught. I think it was Woods, and then he ran and slid down inbounds to keep the clock running for a gain of a couple, four, maybe three, four yards. Clock is running. Chiefs and Andy Reid used their first time out. Bang. Play took about five seconds. Second down, they roll out Goff to the right. He throws again. This time, it's batted down by a Chiefs defender. Very close, very scary, almost a possible pick six that could have tur- you know, <laughs> lost the game. And everyone's like, what is he doing throwing the football? And, of course, Booger was there. Ah, you got to run the football. Third down, they ran a screen pass out to the left, which is essentially a run. You are passing it to try to get a bigger gain that might get a first down so you could actually just take three knees and win the game. Or, if nothing else, you know, you keep the clock running and you force the Chiefs to take at least another timeout. Pass was caught, went for about two yards, not a first down. Chiefs had to take their second timeout, and all of a sudden they're going to get the ball back with a minute to go and a timeout in their hands because they forced an incompletion on second down. Again, behold the power of having three timeouts. You must have three. You have to have all three. And it's shocking to see Andy Reid with that. This ought to be a lesson for every coach in the NFL. This is what three timeouts can do. It not only stops time, it puts you in a position in which the other team now has to go, shit, we we can't just run the ball three times. Doug Marone on Sunday for the Jaguars again failed to learn from the disaster that was the second half of the AFC Championship game in Foxborough last winter in which he got super conservative with a lead late and then got bit on the ass as Tom Brady rallied the, the Patriots to a, a stunning comeback. Against Pittsburgh, dominating all afternoon, up, uh, forget what the number was, late, he runs three and out, three and out twice and punts, thinking, we just got a bleed clock. Now granted, nobody trusts Blake Bortles, but you got to throw in those situations. You have to do more than run and say, well, we're taking time off the clock. So I defend, I I, I say that uh, McVeigh had good strategy there. Speaking of McVeigh, I'm just wondering, I'll ask Redskin fans listening to the Zabecast right now, how much is it going to hurt as the years pile on that we had Sean McVeigh in our building? I know. What were we going to do? Fire Jay Gruden? After two years, three years, I guess, and then promote Sean McVay? Probably not. That's a tough one for any organization to pull. We would be ridiculed for it. I think Dan Snyder would be sensitive to the notion of, oh, look at Dan Snyder again, firing Jay Gruden for some kid who's a complete unknown. Furthermore, if the culture isn't right with an organization, even a genius young head coach, which Sean McVay is, is not going to thrive. He is not going to succeed. I'll just never forget. I mean, it wasn't, it seemingly was like yesterday in which I'm doing afternoon drive on 980 here in D.C. It's me, it's Galdi, it's Cooley. 
And Cooley is tight with Sean McVay, who is in his second year, I believe, on the staff under Jay Gruden. And all Cooley would talk about during breaks and on the air was Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Sean McVay is brilliant. Sean McVay, he loves football so much. Sean McVay is a freak. I even met Sean McVay briefly out at uh, Hollywood Casino in Charlestown, West Virginia one night when he was just a uh, a nobody assistant, a slappy, as it were, uh, climbing his way up the ranks. That was like yesterday. Now look at the guy. And, of course, I've got... Uh, of some of my married female friends that are football fans texting me going, man, Sean McVay's good looking. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's a goddamn snack, that kid. Look at him. Absolutely dashing. And his girlfriend, Google Sean McVay's girlfriend. You'll see. That's going to hurt. Let's talk about the broadcast, shall we? I personally am okay with Tess. I understand exactly why some people hate his guts. Game show host, carnival barker, cheese ball are some of the things I've heard said about him. All by Scott Lynn, my co-host in the afternoons. He does not care for Joe Tessitore. And I've created this little scissor reel, sizzle reel for Scott just to drive him over the edge. You hear the growling with Joe Tessitore. I know. not That's not everyone's cup of tea. I will take that, though, over the unsure and sometimes out of sync and sometimes needlessly low-key Al Michaels calls of big plays. Nothing frustrates me more as a listener, as a viewer at home, to see a big play in which the announcers don't recognize what a big play it was with the inflection in their voice. That's all. Now, does Tessator overdo it? Yes. Yes, he does. There's too much growling. There's too much game showing. I get it. But I'd rather have the overselling and the overpunching of big calls than to have Al Michaels just sort of go, and here's Hill with a 73-yard touchdown for the Chiefs. I would rather have Tessator. Booger McFarland does very little for me. He's a generic analyst, and, and Jason Witten is a zilch. Jason Witten's not good. But I don't even listen to those guys. I like my soundtrack to my football games loud, and Tessator is loud. Is he the most sophisticated music out there for football? No. No, he is not. couple other quick things about the game. How is Samson Ebucom? Ebucom? Ebucom. Out of eastern Washington, kids from Nigeria, he made big play after big play after big play. Fourth round draft pick. This is where I'm going to show my Redskins jealousy one more time and go, we, we, we need a fourth round pick that, that's, that's that good. I also couldn't help but think that, you know, just two years ago, Jeff Fisher was driving this team into the mud with his smug-ass mustache of his. Two years ago. And now, now that he's out, boom, away they go. Apparently, Todd Gurley called Jeff Fisher's offense a middle school offense. 
not just a high school offense, middle school. In comes McVay. There's all these wrinkles. They're using the speed and talent they've got. And the thing is taken off like a rocket ship. Which brings us to the story that surfaced yesterday on Monday about how uh, Aaron Rodgers may be growing out of favor or may be uh, openly fighting with Mike McCarthy. Good! Get his ass out of there. Wouldn't you love as Packer fans to see Aaron Rodgers, assuming he's coachable, and I'm going to assume that because some people think that he's not really that coachable. you got to be coachable if you're going to play in the NFL. Some people think that you know the hero act and the hero style of play has gone to Aaron Rodgers' head, and that's how he likes to play. Eh. I think you could definitely coach him up into much more of a timing offense, a three-step offense, an innovative offense. You could even, once his knee is healthy next year, incorporate some RPO stuff. And that really is what is taking over the NFL. The college RPO is a tough play to defend because essentially what you're doing is you're saying, okay, we're not going to predetermine play action. Once upon a time, you're like, all right, we're going to call a play action pass. All right, we're going to fake a handoff and I'm going to drop back and pass. Well, wait a minute. What if we want to hand it off when we see what the defense is doing? Nope, can't do that. In uh, a good old play action, we are committed to the pass. Well, is there anything we do to maybe choose while the play is unfolding? Yes, there is. The RPO, the run pass option. And this is an improvement as a college wrinkle upon the old zone read option in which the quarterback had to be one of the two guys that had the choice to keep the ball and run with it himself. Now, it doesn't mean that the zone read is not still run in the NFL. It is. It's just not run with the kind of reckless abandon and the volume that it was in 2012. You don't want your quarterback taking any more hits than necessary. They're going to take a lot of hits as it is. So the RPO has arrived, and these teams that have skill and speed and talent can absolutely uh, rack up the points with that play and with their offense. I love the Rams yellow on yellow. That's just me. It was kind of a color rush look on a Monday night. The stadium was packed. I mean, amazing. You're talking about a game that was moved with less than a week or just about a week, I guess. It was a week ago Monday they moved it. Had no problem filling it up to the brim. It's very dark at the Coliseum at night. You know, the stadium lighting is not the most modern, I'm sure, and the dimensions of the place, they don't really light up the stands like you know most NFL stadiums do now. So it was kind of dark, kind of old school, but packed. Packed in part because there's nowhere good to be inside the Coliseum. That's an old building. There's not a lot of cigar bars and indoor lounges. If you're there, you better get out there and you watch the damn game. Andy Reid had the punt, pass, and kick clip played yet again. (laughs) It's almost an obligatory thing to put that in there. (laughs) Giant Andy Reid, with his name misspelled, by the way. R-I-E-D. And to think that we almost let Mexico have this game, I said on Twitter jokingly for nothing, although I was told, not told, I heard somewhere, well, let me amend that, somebody tweeted, no, Mexico is going to pay $19 million for the game. 
Okay, maybe they would pay ESPN. So, somebody had to get paid. But this game was too good to give to Mexico. Pylon Cam, I love you. Love you. I love you. I love you. And uh, wait until this game someday or other games like it are played in the brand new L.A. Stadium, which is going to be an absolute work of art and a spectacular visual monument to greed and excess and engineering. And what do I care? It's not my money. Man, that's going to be awesome. The field will be a lot better as well because they won't be playing USC games on it as well as two NFL games. They will have two NFL tenants, but I believe this the field will be absolutely perfecto. And it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be fun to watch. So, Chiefs fall to 9 and 2. They now have to kind of mind their business because they've got some teams that are lurking that could possibly steal home field advantage. Rams are looking pretty good, but The Saints are down there in New Orleans under Sean Payton just saying, we don't care. We are going to be complete pirates, and we are going to humiliate you. To the point in which Malcolm Jenkins flipped off Sean Payton during the game as Sean Payton was running up the score. Me personally, I wouldn't run up the score. Not because I am worried about the other team being mad. And first of all, there is no such thing as running up the score against a fellow professional team. There's no such thing. You're a pro team, we're a pro team. We're going to play 60 minutes. I would rest guys for fear of injury way earlier than most NFL teams do it. I would have said to Taysom Hill, you got the fourth quarter, Taysom. Don't fuck it up. I think we gave you a big enough lead. We're up 38-7. to seven. And why a guy like Carson Wentz on a reconstructed knee is in the game down 30 points with about six minutes to go or whatever the number was is just idiocy, if you ask me. Uh, one last thing from this game. You know, Super Bowl 52 and a half. It really is the Redskins' bitter bowl, not just because Sean McVay used to be in our building, not just because you're watching Patrick Mahomes do his thing and thinking, Andy Reid knew all along he had this guy, and he couldn't wait to sell the clunker that is Alex Smith, no offense, Alex, to the nearest, highest bidder. And we were it. Again, we've been duped by Andy's used cars. And on top of all that, if you want to be bitter as a Redskin fan, both the Rams and the Chiefs traded significant assets to move up to get their guys. Rams moved up to number one to get Goff, and I I think it was number one. And the Chiefs moved up not quite as far from late in the first round to get Mahomes. And it worked. All those picks, worth it to go get both those guys. I was wrong about both. I didn't think golf was that good. And he didn't look it under the high school offense that was, of course, Jeff Fisher. Man, he looks like he just loves throwing the football in L.A. in perfect conditions. And supposedly the reason that Fisher drafted him is because uh, he throws a good wet ball. And he was watching him work out in the rain. He's like, this guy's good. Throws a good wet ball. Not going to rain much in L.A. Good for going to Seattle, though, in division. What did the Redskins do? We traded a bunch of picks for RG3. How'd that work out? Let's not talk about it. Speaking of my Redskins, they signed Mark Sanchez on Monday. I guess he's as good 
as any other backup, any other Kellen Clemens or uh, who else was in the the running to back him up. Uh, E.J. Manuel is another guy. If we have to play Mark Sanchez for any extended period of time, we're fucked. It doesn't matter. We have to have somebody to be credible, but if we're down to Sanchez, we're pretty much not going anywhere. The Kaepernick issue, though, is one that's, of course, being talked about quite a bit. Bit. Sign Kaepernick. Sign Kaepernick. A lot of lot of media members caping up for Kaepernick. Sign Colin Kaepernick. Mike Florio went as far as to say, basically, to to throw Bruce Allen under the bus in his football night in America, saying, "Well, and Mark and Allen Kaepernick, uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick, is available, but." according to my sources, will not be signed because Bruce Allen has specifically said he will not sign a player like that. That's another dig from Florio at the Redskins because he is a woke name guy and doesn't like the name Redskins. So any digs he can get, he'll take them. Hey, listen up, Zabe Disciples. My lock is now 9-2. and two. Why are you not getting rich on this? You can now by going to mybookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can bet aside, predict scores, or track player props. MyBookie.ag lets you play without cash or other purchases. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.ag has in-game live action on every major league event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.ag than today. Go to MyBookie.ag to open your account, then join in on the fun. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Signing up is easy. You'll have access to your own personal dashboard. That's mybookie.ag, promo code ZABE. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. All right, let's talk about Condi Rice and her alleged interview with the Cleveland Browns to become head coach. Not alleged. The reported possibility that Condi Rice would be interviewed by John Dorsey of the Cleveland Browns for the head coaching position of an NFL team. Yes, that was actually a thing that existed for about six, not even six hours, three hours, I'd say, from like 9 a.m. on Sunday morning until about noon, when people waking up, getting ready for a football Sunday are like, what? Like, no, this is a joke, right? Adam Schefter reported the news saying that John Dorsey would be interested in bringing her in for an interview for the head coaching position. That tweet stood alone for about two and a half hours until the Browns decided, yeah, we got to come out and say something because we are the laughing stock of the league. Well, we always have been, but we're really the laughing stock of the league. We have to put something out. And they did that basically said, no, no, no. That's not what's going to happen. Meanwhile, Condi Rice put out a statement shortly thereafter saying, well, I love my Cleveland Browns. I am not going to be considered for head coach of the team. Although, she did say that she would never call a prevent defense. And I'm like, yes! Knew I loved that gal for a lot of reasons. 
Hell, that alone makes her better than like six coaches in the league right now. Even if she just pawned off every other responsibility to every other coach and her only job was to stand on the sidelines and when the team was ahead, say, no, keep blitzing. That makes her better than at least six coaches in the league right now. But what's so ridiculous, it's not just the fact that, okay, she has no qualifications to be a head coach in the NFL. And it doesn't mean that she's not smart. She's brilliant. She has multiple degrees and multiple talents, has served in some of the highest levels of government. She is too smart for football. But she's not qualified. Like, none of the skill set to coach football. Why would you even let that get out there? Oh, wait a minute. You're the Browns. Never mind. The other thing that was ridiculous was a number of high-minded, woke sports writers said it did a disservice to the women who are already in the NFL's pipeline of coaches. And I could not roll my eyes hard enough and groan (laughs) loud enough at the notion of that. Do you know how many women are in the so-called pipeline for the NFL as coaches? I think the number is like six. Do you know how many coaches have incredible qualifications in football at some level or another, whether it's the NFL, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, co- high school, junior college. I'd say it's numbers in the tens of thousands. So you're telling me you've got a pool of candidates for a head coaching job that numbers in the tens of thousands that are men used to coaching a distinctly men's game that involves testosterone and ego and machismo and everything else. And over here, you've got six women who are just dabbling in the notion of being a football coach. Not that they don't know football. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they study coverages. I'm sure they can identify blitz packages. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure. But again, here's one pool of possible candidates that's 10,000 or more And here's a pool of six. What are the odds that one of the six just will happen to be better than anyone in the pool of 10,000 by virtue of the fact that they have ovaries instead of a penis? Really? Really. Actually, it'd be ovaries instead of testicles. A vagina instead of a penis. It is classic wishful thinking by super woke media to say, It does a disservice to the women who are already in the pipeline working their way to someday become an NFL head coach. (laughs) Okay. You call me when that happens. Lastly, Lamar Jackson ran the ball 27 times in Baltimore. Jay, who was going to be heard on today's Abecast, you might be saying, what happened to Jay? Oh, I recorded Jay. It was a Cracker Jack interview. It was 40 minutes plus, and then I forgot to hit save. Yes, I'm an idiot. Idiot. Lamar Jackson ran the ball 27 times. It's like the most ever for a quarterback in the Super Bowl era. Three of those runs were kneel downs, technically speaking, so it was only like 24, but it's still way up there. Even Marvin Lewis said running quarterbacks don't last long in this league, so he is not totally impressed. John Harbaugh gave a glowing review of Lamar Jackson, saying he did a fantastic job ran the offense just the way we wanted to, got the right plays in there, total command, he studies the playbook, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's great. 
you can't run the ball 27 times as a quarterback. Not in the NFL. No, no, no. And I guess a lot of those runs were basically pass plays that he bailed out of and said, oh, look at all this room. I'm going to run. And that was going to always be the temptation with him because of his athletic gifts. Can he transition from that into a quarterback who does not want to run at the first sight of open field? That's going to be the trick right there. I'd like to say no and that I'm certain of it, but you can't be certain of anything these days. Hell, I thought Patrick Mahomes was a terrible reach out of a conference that plays no defense for a guy that I really hadn't watched very much in college. Who's having the last laugh now? Couple updates from yesterday. An update and a correction. Update on Alex Smith. Yes, successful surgery. Yes, expected to return to play football someday. But no, not as simple of a fracture as perhaps some might have thought. Adam Schefter, who as you know is not afraid of stealing a medical report or two. Remember the JPP story? Adam Schefter tweeted the following on Monday afternoon. Alex Smith suffered a compound fracture, meaning the bone broke through his skin per source. Trauma surgeons discovered Smith suffered a spiral fracture in his leg, defined as a long bone broken by a rotational force. The 34-year-old Smith faces a lengthy rehab process to try to return. I don't want to read too much into a single tweet. And obviously, lengthy rehab process. Lengthy may mean six months. It may mean eight months. It may mean longer. The word try, though, I don't like. I feel like Yoda saying do or do not do. There is no try. He faces a lengthy rehab process to try to return. Let's hope that this surgery was successful. And if anyone could come back from an injury like this, I'm putting my money on Alex Smith. This guy carries lava boulders underwater, 20 feet under the water in Hawaii. Google that picture up and you will see what I'm talking about. Now a correction before we get to Jay, and thank you as always for emailing me corrections. I get a lot of shit wrong all the time. But the one thing I will not do, I will not stay stuck on stupid. I will not stay on wrong. If I'm on the wrong square, let me know, and I will get off of that square. And by wrong, I mean factually wrong. If you think I'm wrong about an opinion like uh, instant replay, oh no, you're never going to move me off of that square. But I don't want to be wrong about the facts. So I've been calling the Redskins throwbacks yesterday's faux backs because I said that Indian head logo had never been used before. Well, boy, was I wrong. Steve Hoyle writes to say the following. Steve, I think you're as much of a uniform nerd as I am. So, dot, dot, dot. He goes on to show the photos of the Redskins throwbacks actually being pretty much a spot-on replica of the 19th. 1937 championship team played before I think there was even leather helmets or if there was yeah there was leather helmets in 1937 he writes to say it's a pretty much spot-on duplicate of the jersey and the pants which included the Indian head logo on the sleeve which had been updated slightly over the years but as a throwback uniform go it's pretty accurate 
Of course, you're 100% right that the helmet screws up the whole thing. I'm pretty baffled as to why removing the stripes and going to a gray face mask has anything to do with the throwback look. The NFL sells merchandise with it, so they must have the rights to the throwback logo. Yes, I said that. I bought one of those hats. So there's really no reason they couldn't put the sticker on their helmet. Many teams, the Dolphins, Broncos, Falcons, etc., replace their helmet logo with an old logo when wearing a throwback. The Packers, meanwhile, just remove their logo entirely. Anyway, he said the one-helmet rule is ridiculous. Helmets get broken frequently, and anyone changing teams certainly doesn't take his helmet with him. I remember last year a picture surfaced of the Giants' equipment staff prepping their helmets for their throwback game. In the background, you could see clearly multiple helmets with the same number on them, meaning the players don't only have one helmet for the whole season anyway. He goes on to point out a very nerdy Easter egg of a did-you-ever-notice regarding uniforms. He says, did you notice that Kirk Cousins, when he was a Redskin, used to have his stripes reversed on his socks. See, the Redskins have a thick yellow and white stripe down the pant leg of their red pants. And on their socks, they have a yellow and burgundy stripe to sort of mimic the look. Well, every other player would have burgundy over yellow on their socks. So the burgundy is on top, the yellow is on the bottom. Kirk Cousins... The other way around. Somehow he got socks that had yellow on top, burgundy on the bottom. Nerd! I know. It's funny, though, and there's photos to prove it. Maybe that was just Kirk being extra special. Kirk did not have a good night against the Bears defense on Sunday night. For everyone that wants to send me a text, send me, or not a text, send me, yeah, you can text me on the text line. Uh, and one of them wants to tweet me, email me, oh, you boy, are you glad you don't have him now? I'm be very honest with you. I'm not glad that we don't have Kirk. I like Kirk. Kirk Cousins had the audacity to want to leave our dysfunctional franchise. I don't begrudge him for that. He wanted to bet on himself, and he did, and he got paid. And people hate him for that. He didn't want to be under the auspices of Danny and Bruce and that whole gang. I don't blame him for that. Kirk Cousins was born as an NFL NFL player into the worst possible situation. A third-round pick buried under RG3. He somehow persevered, fought his way through that, became the starter, bet on himself, kept his poise throughout that whole process, and got paid at the end of the day to go to Minnesota. He is a humble, God-fearing, hard-working quarterback who is not Tom Brady. For that, I will not criticize Kirk Cousins. I begrudge none of it. Good for him. And the Vikings, everyone wants to be like, too much money. Okay. Do you see what the Broncos paid Case Keenum, who stinks? You know, you got to... The position, staffing the position with a starting level quarterback costs $20 million a year, period. So if it's 20 or $28 million, does it really matter? Everyone wants to be this expert in too much money. That's because they're sitting on their couch and they don't have to worry about, are we going to have a season or not? Kirk's going to be fine in Minnesota. But it's not his best night, though. Terrible pick six at just the wrong time. But shit, that Bears defense 
is suffocating. Hey, listen up, Zabe Disciples. My lock is now 9-2. and two. Why are you not getting rich on this? You can now by going to mybookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can bet aside, predict scores, or track player props. MyBookie.ag lets you play without cash or other purchases. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie.ag has in-game live action on every major league event, even eSports. There's no better time to join MyBookie.ag than today. Go to MyBookie.ag to open your account, then join in on the fun. Use promo code ZABE when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Signing up is easy. You'll have access to your own personal dashboard. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code ZABE. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply. Void where prohibited. Let's end on this today. Man sues airline over being seated next to obese man. That's right, lawsuit. Flyer Stephen Prosser is suing British Airways for being seated next to an extremely obese passenger on a flight more than two years ago, claiming it left him injured. The statement by the airline said that they are resisting the claim but would not comment further since the case is subject to ongoing proceedings. CNN reports that the 51-year-old from South Wales told officials that he was sitting next to an extremely large passenger during a 12-hour flight from Bangkok to London. It left him with a back spasm and a pelvic injury. Said the flyer, quote, I sat with his knees wedged against the seat in front and the rest of his body was overspilling into my seat by some inches. I was immediately aware that this was going to be problematic for me and I could feel the weight of his pure bulk, putting lateral pressure on my upper body. Mr. Prosser said he had to stop working for three months and visit a chiropractor for two years following the incident. He added he did not confront the passenger because he appeared to be, quote, self-conscious, and said the flight crew told him no other seats were available when he complained. Yeah, there's nothing you could say to the fat guy at that point because what are you going to do? Uh, hey... Could you lose a hundred pounds, maybe? Hey, I'm sorry. Your your fat is sort of yeah. It's just sort of coming over here. This is why I have pioneered the revolutionary strategy on Southwest Airlines. You do not want any A number boarding pass. Oh no, <laughs> suckers! You want late B's is the way to go. That way, I choose you. Am I going to get a middle seat? You're darn right I am. But I am going to have the pick of the litter of middle seats. And I'm going to find a nice, thin business lady who wears a size 2 dress sitting next to another uh, perhaps clean-dressed man who does not have a beard, does not smell, does not anything doesn't look like he's going to drink you're going to go down that aisle on a southwest flight and you're going to go nope 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 bingo you choose who you sit next to oh sure you're going to get a middle seat but you choose who you sit next to otherwise who knows you could get job of the freaking hut sitting next to you on a flight and whether that's southwest or a flight in which you got a ticket if you don't have first class 
you could be fucked. This guy, though, I don't know if he's going to win his lawsuit, but man, that's a tough one. 12-hour flight, and you're sitting next to a guy whose goo is oozing over into your seat. Here's what I found the most amazing about this story. Apparently, the legal contract between you and an airline does not say you have a right to a full seat. (laughs) Okay. I did not know that. You do not have the right to a full seat according to the legal contract of an airline ticket in 2018. What on earth? Can we not get a law or something? Can 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 a politician run on this platform alone? This is the only thing I'm going to do as a politician. Bring these maniacal airlines to their knees and make them start acting in a civil manner. That'll do it for me today. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends. Don't forget the Zavecast app. Very handy. Go to your uh, app store. Get it today. Subscribe to the Football Five Ways Friday Premium Edition. We'll have it this week on Thanksgiving. Go to zabe.com slash premium to subscribe. And podcasts are just so much fun. I thank you for listening. Zabe at yahoo.com is how you reach me. Now get ready to unplug your phone at work at noon today and call it a well-done Thanksgiving week. And we will see you next time. SheFit. We know the fitness industry makes a lot of empty promises. We're done with shortcuts and quick fixes. No woman should be let down or held back, especially by her clothing. It's time to experience the only sports bra that's as strong as you are. Available in the widest range of sizes. Easy on and off, with 50% less bounce than the Nike Pro. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022.